and uh, we'll consider very briefly one verse in the Bible in the New Testament that'll just help us think a bit more about Christmas. And after that, we're going to sing more carols. So giving your voices a rest because we're going to make use of them after that as well. And then after three more carols, Dwayne will speak briefly on another verse. And so hopefully uh, me and him will be able to give you some verses to think about as we think about Christmas. Now, the verse that I've selected should be up there. Where has it disappeared to? PowerPoint guys will find it, but it's in Acts chapter 3, the last verse of Acts chapter 3, verse 26. I'll read it for us so you can listen closely. This is from one of the very first sermons ever preached at the beginnings of the church by the Apostle Peter when he was in Jerusalem. And he finishes his sermon to the people of uh, Jerusalem, the Jewish people there. And he says in verse 26 of Acts chapter 3, God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. That's how Peter wraps us the sermon. And, uh, you know, really what I wanted us to think about this morning is that when you think about Christmas and the story of God sending his son into this world, there is no doubt the Bible tells us that God did that to bless mankind to bless human beings. He did it to bless. He did it out of love. He did it with a good purpose. The Lord Jesus, when he was on earth, he says he came into this world not to judge and to destroy, but to save, to bring life to people. But you know, sometimes if you're left with just very vague uh, words or phrases, it's not very helpful. And an example I can give to you is, uh, you know, if you guys have seen advertisements, of different foods and drinks, and they'll say, happiness guaranteed. Have you guys seen that? Uh, uh, Guaranteed satisfaction. You guys can go to your supermarket and find uh, products that advertise that. And here's the thing. They say those things because it's so generic, you'll never be able to hold them legally liable. If you ever buy their product and say, well, my happiness was not guaranteed. I didn't get happy. Good luck taking them to court because it's too generic. We kind of know that with statements that are too generic, there's danger in them. What do you mean exactly? And so often when we think about Christmas, we think about God, he he wants to bless us. But we leave it so nebulous, so generic, that people fill in their own interpretations and therefore go astray. They don't stop to think, what exactly does God have in mind in his blessing us by sending his son? And they begin to think of all kinds of various things to fill the hole. Oh, God wants to bless me by giving me all kinds of earthly comforts and material success. But that's not what we read. That's why I love this verse. It's so clear and direct. It says, God has sent Jesus to us to bless us by turning every one of us away from our wickedness. Now, that's what it points to. And that's very interesting. Because here it confronts us, saying that this is your greatest problem, your own personal moral wrongness before God. He who is totally perfect and good, and when we compare ourselves to him, we find ourselves lacking. We find that God created everything good. He created every man, woman, and child to be good, to be full of love and self-sacrifice. But instead, when you look around this world and I'll ask you to be honest. When you look inside your own heart, what do you find there? We find so often, instead of using all that we have to love others, we use all that they are 
to love ourselves. They are pawns for us to get what we want. And we apply that same thing to God so easily. God is there as a means for me to get what I want. And in the end, ourselves are in the total ascendancy. We sit in the throne. And the Bible looks at all of that and says, that's so wrong. It's wickedness. It's sin. And that is your greatest problem as a human being. And I know many of you, you face a lot of problems. Problems I wouldn't be able to shoulder. But all of those other problems are nothing compared to this grand problem. That before God, you have been living a life that can only be classified as selfish and wicked and evil in front of his perfect goodness. And that's a big problem because that leads to only one conclusion. God who is all good cannot allow that to go on. So when we meet him, there is only death and destruction that awaits us. So you now see when God sent his son to bless us, God is not in the business of flattering you. He's not in the business of dealing with trivial problems that you don't really have. You're not like a door-to-door salesman that pitches to you a problem you didn't have to sell you a product you didn't need. But God's great love is that he comes and deals with our greatest problem at the greatest of costs. We read here in this verse that God having raised up his servant, Jesus Christ, what implies he was put down into the ground first. He had to die first in order to be raised. And in order for him to die, he had to be born into this world. And you see how Christmas all comes together. At the greatest cost to himself, God was willing to meet it in order to bless you at your most needful point to turn you away from your wickedness, to turn you away from the results of it and to turn you away from being enslaved under it, continuously living your whole experience and your whole existence under selfishness putting self first and going astray from the way you were created. And God has sent the Lord Jesus Christ to bless every one of you, to turn you away from wickedness. So that leaves us with two thoughts that I want to leave with you. Number one is this. If this morning you call upon the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, meaning you need to be saved, you know that, you recognize that, I want you to ask seriously, Have you been turned away from wickedness towards God? Has that happened in your heart? The Lord Jesus, when he comes to bless us, he's not simply turning your schedules around so that you make time for church on Sundays. That's it. He's not dealing with just shallow, superficial work. He is a surgeon who gets to the deepest cancer beneath and deals with our hearts because that's what we need to be dealt with. That's the extent of our problem. Have you been completely transformed? by the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to ask that question because it is so easy for us to be deceived and to think all is well with me because I I do nice things and I say the right things and I go to the right places. But the question is, have I been turned from my selfishness and wickedness towards God? And secondly, this morning, if you've been invited here by a friend or a family member, you're curious what the Bible has to say, I want you to think carefully about what the Bible says. Here it is. And it's so simple. You have a deep problem and only God can solve that problem. You must come to him. And I hope that you'll think seriously about what the Bible has to say. And I I don't have to labor too long because your own conscience will tell you, you're so far from perfect. I want you to realize all of that is, is witnesses pointing you towards, I need a savior because I can't save myself.
So there's something for you guys to think about. Let's pray and then we'll, we'll keep on seeing some more carols. Father, we thank you so much for our time this morning. Thank you so much that we can think about Christmas and cast our minds to the Lord Jesus Christ and, and how you sent him into this world. Lord, we pray that you'll help every single one of us to think carefully and deeply about why you have sent him into this world, how exactly you have come to bless us through your son. And Lord, I pray to you in your wonderful mercy and grace, help every one of us to receive this great blessing, this great mercy and love of being turned away from all of these terrible things towards you and your great love. So bless us in this way, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, it's encouraging to see so many come out for such a special day. Um, Merry Christmas. And we'll look at one verse again. You'll see it up on the screen. This is from 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And this is verse 15. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Now, it's only eight words in the English. Um, I checked and it's also only eight words in the Greek. And something I found so fascinating is you see that big word there, inexpressible. If, if you're not used to English, what that means is Paul, who's writing this, he can't actually find words that are good enough to describe the gift that God has given. And the gift he's referring to is the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ, the greatest gift ever given. And um, I, I thought it was so funny as, as I was reading through some commentaries, one commentator, he, he, he said about this word inexpressible. In the Greek, it's only ever used once in the whole New Testament, this word inexpressible. And it's never used even before that. There's no record of this word that Paul uses, inexpressible, before he uses it here in 2 Corinthians. In other words, Paul had to make up a word to describe the gift that God has given. And I, I just found it so sort of funny, but sort of incredible that the way he described the word is by saying he can't describe the gift. The way that he expresses how good this gift is, is he says, it's inexpressible. Have you ever heard someone describe something like that? They just can't find words. They're speechless. It's beyond words. So they just say, um, how can I describe it? It's, it's indescribable. How can I express it? It's in, inexpressible. It, it's ineffable. It's beyond words. My imagination can't even capture it. How can my words capture it? And so Paul is saying here that this gift of Jesus Christ is just too good for words. In other words, he's saying, I could use the word amazing, but the word amazing is not amazing enough to attach to this. I could use the word wonderful, but even the word wonderful is not even good enough to properly describe this wonderful gift. So there you go. He uses that word inexpressible. There are a couple of things um, I wanted to say in addition to that, uh, to this wonderful gift that God has given. One thing I wanted to say is that this is the gift that not only we ought to want, but the gift that we need. I don't know if anyone's ever asked you during Christmas time, hey, what do you want for Christmas? And I find myself tangled. I'm split between the two. Well, I really want a huge barbecue so that I can smoke a whole lot of meat at the same time. But then at the same time, I, I, I need two new tires. Um, so there's, there's this sort of tension between what you want and what you need. I don't know if you've ever found that with yourself or what category you fit into. But here's the thing about the things that we need. We know that we need them because they're practical. They're there because we need to live on. There are things that aid us in living. So the things that we need, we know we need because they, we need them to live on. The things that we want, we want to enjoy. They're things that sort of pique our interest, things that we enjoy. Yeah. And so 
when it comes to your Christmas, you might fit into one of those two categories. But when it comes to this inexpressible, inexpressible gift, what we should notice is that this gift is so amazing that it is better than anything else we could ever enjoy in life. This, is, this fits in a category all by itself. There is nothing else with it. There is nothing else that can compare. There is nothing else that stands next to it. If God was to say, hey, here's a brand new planet just for you. You can name the planet after yourself. That would not be enough. Our, our appetites as humans are too big for even a planet to own. No, this gift is even beyond that. It is the gift that is enough and even more than enough. It is the, the gift that will give us joy and joy everlasting, joy forever. Now, not only is it the gift that we should want because it is more beautiful than anything else we could ever imagine but it is the exact gift that we desperately need. You would have heard that when Hanley was talking about our wickedness earlier on. This is the most practical gift that you could ever receive. You think two new tires is practical? You, you think something that will help you work, brand new work boots is practical? A, a brand new laptop is practical? No, this is the most practical gift that we could ever receive because it deals with the, with the most severe problem that we, we, we've ever had, separation from God and alienation from him. So this is the gift that we ought to want because it's the most beautiful, but it is the gift that we need desperately, the exact one that we need. So it fits both of those categories to the fullest. Now, one other thing that I'll, I'll talk about is a gift. As you know, if you've ever bought a gift, it costs you something. And it didn't cost the person who you gave it to. All they had to do was receive. But you paid the price for that gift. When someone gives you a gift, they pay the price. And all you have to do is receive. And so that is the nature of this gift too. God has paid the price. He has given his son. He has, he has put down the payment for your soul. And all that you have to do is you don't have to chip in. You don't have to contribute to him paying for you. No, all you have to do is receive this gift that he has given to you graciously. And so the first question I'll ask, and this is the first of two, is have you received this gift? Have you received it? And I really hope you have. It is the gift that is more beautiful than anything, and it is the gift that you need. And this leads to my second question. And this is for the people who have received this wonderful gift. And what a joyful time for us to remember the gift that God has given. Look how Paul starts this. He says, thanks be to God. Now, if we have received the gift, what is the appropriate response? It is thanks. Not only with our words, but with our lives. We live as living sacrifices. We live for his glory. We live now with the, the privilege of glorifying and serving him. So thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Hey, let me pray and then we'll sing some more carols. Lord, we thank you uh, for just the clarity that we find in Scripture about you and your generosity, you and your graciousness and how merciful you are. And Lord, as we come to remember your wonderful gift that is just too, too good to describe with words, we come, Lord, just in awe that a God like you, holy and eternal, would think of creatures like us, wicked, and darkened and hardened in heart, that you would give us such a wonderful gift, that you would give us the most expensive thing that there has ever been, your very self. So thank you for giving us yourself in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to receive him, 
and help us then to live a life of thanksgiving, of worship, of praise, of adoration, of affection stirred up for Jesus. We're asking all of this in his name. Amen. And look, we'll pray now and um, in this time together. So welcome to um, our Christmas service. First one we've had, I think, as a church. Um, this is the 25th of December, and, and you know that on this day, 1840, the gospel was first preached in New Zealand, and it was preached from the gospel of Luke on Christmas Day. And by the way, the church is not ashamed of bringing the gospel to New Zealand. It's the best thing that ever happened to this culture and to New Zealand, because it brought joy to New Zealand, and the gospel Preaching today in the church in New Zealand is the greatest event that's occurring in New Zealand today. Politics, parliament, people cannot bring unity to New Zealand and peace to our hearts. The gospel brings peace. The church is not ashamed of bringing the gospel to New Zealand via the missionaries of the Maori were the greatest missionaries of the gospel. So you say that when you're speaking to people about the gospel today and, the, and, the, and Christmas Day, you tell them those things, that we're not ashamed of bringing the gospel to New Zealand in the 19th century. The best thing that ever happened to our country. So let's pray. Thank you so much, Lord, for our special and wonderful day. And we thank you for being together. We're so happy to be here um, to celebrate the greatest birthday, the birthday of our Lord Jesus Christ, the word become flesh and dwelling among us temporarily. And we thank you for your coming again to gather us up who believe in you and to take us to be with you for all of eternity. And now may your grace, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen.